What is up, everyone? Welcome back to our podcast series, BJJ's Hyper's podcast series, episode number 18. Our guest for today, Michael Liera Jr., Black Belt, Pan-American, European, and American international champion. He's won pretty much everything in the color belts. I'm joined today with my co-host, Alexi. And Michael, do you want to tell us about how you got into Jiu-Jitsu? When do you turn full-time? who you are, some of your accomplishments? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I've been training for jujitsu. I've been training jujitsu for 16 years now. Um, like you said, I've won, you know, a few tournaments, uh, the uh, American Nationals, the European Open, and Grand Slam, and, and uh, a few other things at Black Belt. And uh, I was fortunate enough to win the worlds and Pan Ams at every belt and uh, the blue, purple, and brown coming up. Um, I'm a black belt under uh, Professor Andre Galval. Um, I currently live in Denver, Colorado. I branched off from, from Autos to open an affiliate here uh, called Logos Jiu-Jitsu. And um, yeah, we've been open for about a little bit over a year now. And uh, uh, that's, that's the current state of things, I guess. Uh, uh, just stoked to be here. Oh man, you're doing some great things, man. Um, is it is it possible to um, just just dissect what you just spoke about? Could, could I first ask you what it's like to train under Andre Gavel as a pupil? Sure. Uh, it's well, a part of it's very surreal. Um, uh, just being, you know, like. Training with him, being with him is kind of surreal for me because I remember when uh, I was with just a yellow belt and orange belt on my MySpace, I had like his Budo videos commercial where he's like running around and working out. Like I had it on my MySpace and then, uh, and he was still in Brazil. This was probably in 2007 and he didn't end up moving to California until 2010 or 11. Uh, and then I started training with him and it was like, uh, it was like stars aligning for my dreams, like, uh, being able to train with, you know, this guy that I looked up to, um, and being able to really like feel, you know, the influence and the, the, the mentality he had and, and letting all that influence me. Um, uh, of course, like if you were to ask if, you know, anybody with a big name um you know if you if you name any team any athlete any legend you're going to hear a lot of the same answer like they train hard they're very focused they're you know obviously very disciplined and andre is you know at the top of that list but uh for me it was more of a uh heavier impact just because it was like a dream you know like that was playing itself out andre moving to uh, professor moving to San Diego and now being one of his top students as a purple belt when I first came, uh, like it motivated me a lot and inspired me a lot. It made it seem like, uh, you know, the, uh, like God is giving me this gift, you know, like he's, yeah. you know, blessed me with some form of, of, uh, passion for jujitsu and he's giving me all the tools to, to achieve whatever I want and uh, uh, or whatever I want to uh, 
pipe forward like he's he's giving me all the tools so um that that had a huge impact on me like just kind of realizing like how lucky and fortunate I was and blessed and then uh second was actually being close to him and and watching him train for tournaments watching him teach his students watching him coach his athletes and just listening to him too like his his uh mind is is uh is obviously very special so uh being able to to be so close i was very lucky he he's a very disciplined very righteous very you know uh uh just very strong force in this world and uh and like of course we we would train all day every day uh, when i first moved to atos uh from the hibero jiu-jitsu uh lineage i was under and under again another legend following shanji hibero uh uh i would get dropped off in the morning at his academy and then get picked up at night by my dad and uh we would just train <laughs> you know like train in the morning during the class train in the comp class during the day drill in between and then train during the night class at the the end of the day and uh that that like work ethic is was definitely instilled in me by professor like i think that's where where he truly shines is pure work ethic and volume of of work put in to achieve whatever dream he's he's you know fighting for and uh Yeah, like I think those types of things like they stick they've stuck with me ever since, you know, purple belt and and being with him and of course he's evolved. Um I've evolved obviously as well running my own gym and our relationship has evolved too. Um even just two weeks ago, three weeks ago I believe now, um he awarded me to my second degree and uh It was the first time I felt ever uh that he like I always respected I've always respected him as my professor and I still do um uh but it was the first time I even felt him uh uh respect me as like my own professor you know like I'm a professor now So like it was an interesting like moment when him and I were uh when he was talking to all my students there were like 60 students that night at the class and uh and I could just tell like you know uh things had things had just shifted and evolved like we were now like uh like I respect him as a professor always and my professor specifically but uh I respected him even more when I felt the respect he gave me back as being my own professor. So like uh, I don't know, I'm just I always kind of just think and ponder on these types of things like they they have heavy impacts on me and and uh and even the way I train like now when I do jiu-jitsu that like shifted my brain into thinking about techniques and concepts and jiu-jitsu differently. So uh Andres had a huge huge impact on me, a huge influence and and it's like ever changing it feels. 
so picking up on that, that influence, he's had Michael. Um, first of all, for our viewers as well, congratulations on your son Stripe, man. That's a that's amazing, man. So thank you. Congratulations on that, man. Thank you. We're, we're looking at the style of Andre got really aggressive guard passing. And for someone yeah. like who's got an excellent guard, that must have been brilliant to spar with the guys at your gym who because quite a few guys like Gustavo Batista, JT Torres have got excellent yeah. as well. You've, you've you've had some great partners to develop your style. Could you tell us a bit more about your style? Yeah, for sure. Uh I would say like that this trend of having to develop a good guard to uh defend off to fend off like good guard passers that's pretty much been the story of my whole jujitsu journey like when i started i was like a weaker you know scrawnier 12 year old in the adult class that could never really get to the top so i started trying to develop you know a closed guard to hold on to them and then an open guard to you know protect myself and you know all the way up until i was you know a competitive world-class competitor at at uh, autos now i'm just dealing with a the same problem but you know bigger uh uh same problem but you know instead of just me being weaker it's actually them being stronger it was batista on top lucas barbosa on top mm, uh, professor guys. on top and uh it's funny i, I had to like like uh, a lot of people at autos have different styles you know like the the style isn't the same at Autos HQ for sure. Um, we all do some similar stuff, but for the most part, it's a very stylistic, uh, uh, stylistically like different and random bunch of people, it seems. And uh, uh, I always try, like, it, I always watched the people in the academy, obviously. They were like, I was huge fans of Batista, Barbosa, Keenan when he was there. Uh, everybody all of the above but uh but i would always watch my competitors or their competitors like people that i watched a lot were Braulio and pomlo bahal and philippe penna because for me i would have to fight andre or professor excuse me like every single day so i needed help from people that were you know, doing better than I was. And that's a lot of why I developed that homolo style of spider guards because, and Philippe Penna's style of grip changing and Raleigh's style of like flexibility because I was just trying to help professor train for those guys. And, uh, and I was trying to help myself in training for, with professor. So I had to look at, you know, uh, uh, you know, the enemies style and and uh uh it was good it was fun I, I didn't realize it until afterwards i remember there was one specific one specific round i had with professor where um i was like wow i played that very similarly to how uh uh i played my guard right there very similarly to how uh uh philippe penna or homo bahal would and it made a lot of sense to me and uh and I remember thinking, like, I should really look into the guys that are training with Professor because they're, like, if I try to come at Professor with his own game, I'm not really, you know, like, there's no surprise. You know, he's obviously better and stronger at it than me. 
So I need to come from, you know, a different angle. So. Uh, the guard passers or, uh, or tra just training in general, like I, I, I always like to kind of figure out new stuff and whatever I'm enthusiastic about is what I try to go on. Like, I don't really pay attention to winning or losing. Like whatever I feel is kind of what I focus on. Maybe that's, you know, like, uh, that's like, that hasn't been the best game plan always, but it's just what I want to do. And that's just kind of how I am. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what happened there with when it comes to like developing a guard because of the good guard passes, it dates all the way back to when I was 12 and I was fighting stronger guys, you know, okay. really just doing whatever I can to stay alive in the training room. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, especially considering the training room you were at. Yeah, the the dynamic now is something that I'm not really used to. Like now, I'm, you know, obviously one of the I'm the hardest training round in my academy. Now that I'm the professor, and we have a, I have a ton of good students, and and a lot of them like to compete and they're competitive, but this uh, this is definitely a a different feel for me like not having the pressure of of uh getting beat down every day is, is good and bad you know i feel i understand the pros and cons of both now uh like on one hand it's very good for me to be able to like practice more offense and attack and also discover jujitsu more uh uh like in just a more like enthusiastic light rather than like the pressure of always preparing for a tournament and fighting someone that's really good and you know every round being 2-0 instead like I feel right now I'm exploring a lot like the the focus is very exploratory I guess and uh that's definitely upped my understanding of jiu-jitsu a lot like I I understand that I needed that um but on the other hand you need uh you need the hard rounds too. Like if you want to win tournaments, you have to be willing and, and uh, you have to be willing to put yourself in the fire and you have to have withstood that fire for a very long time. And at this point, I think I have, I've trained at uh, uh, professor uh, Andre, you know, I've, I've trained under professor Andre and Atos for like 10 years now. And I trained before that with professors Salo and Shanji, which was another incredible training room for like three or four. So uh, it was a good, like, it's been a good change for sure. Okay. Um, when I first heard about you, I was like, well, I like this guy's game. And it wasn't until Anthony Shahal told me about you and I was training with him. You know Anthony from London? Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Anthony. Yeah. yeah. Um, he would come to Cyprus and train with us every summer and he would watch my game and he would always say, man, you really need to study Liera's game. It's really going to help you develop your guard. And 
it wasn't until that that I really paid attention into the game and it really paid out, I must say. It really helped me. And I've pretty much studied everything you've, any instructional video you have put out in the last two or three years. And I'm really happy about it. It really helped my game. I, I have plans to release uh, pretty much like uh, my entire understanding of jujitsu very soon, uh, both top and bottom um, through jujitsu X and BJJ fanatics. Like I'm, uh, the guardian was a good start. I, I'm thinking about reshooting it and uh, refining it and doing a better version of it. Um, but then also I have like a lot of plans to, to pretty much release everything. Um, my like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to stick to this exactly, but um, my idea right now is to uh, keep fighting and keep competing and, and working on the, uh, this type of uh, instructional or, or, or sometime uh, finding a platform to, to release all this stuff. And, uh, and then once I hit like masters, which is pretty soon, like just start releasing the instructionals and like right now I, I kind of care about not releasing my secrets, but in the master's division, like I think I, I don't really care. <laughs> and at that point I'll just start sharing everything. And uh, uh, teaching at the gym has been a big part of that. Like having to uh, really structure a curriculum that gets people good at jujitsu quickly um, has helped or has forced me to to look at teaching and, and try to really refine my own skills at it and also take the game and understanding that I have and uh, uh, learn how to communicate it because I think that's not very easy you know it's like a, uh, being able to communicate jujitsu is probably you know the hardest part because it's so complicated and abstract at times um but i think i'm getting close i'm very excited about jujitsu right now and uh i'm working on it like every day yeah, i can tell and something else i'd like to ask you you recently had some kind of a healthy rivalry with jonathan from LJ, and you yeah. had some some absolute wars and i think you've got a super fight with him coming up as well yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, uh, that super fight, um, the dates, I had a very like uh, personal type thing come up um, that weekend. So I had to, to pull out of that fight. But the rivalry oh. definitely will continue. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure I'll see him, you know, at least. I'm guessing five or six more times before 2021 is over. Um, it looks like he's doing every open and if he's jumping in the opens, I'll jump in there with him. So, um, and it's, it's not like it's close every single time, you know, he's never beaten me more than by more than two points. Um, and some of them have only been by advantages. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep figuring this out. Yeah. he's one of my favorite he's one of my favorites on the field too for sure so it's a it's a 
big honor to to you know be in this this uh this back and forth with him yeah and i consider him and maybe levi to be the best one dimensional lightweights that are world class and you absolutely know what yeah. they're going for but you can't stop it yeah yeah it uh jonathan presents a really interesting problem because when he plays the guard obviously or when uh yeah when he plays the guard the baron bolo is you know very very formidable threat you know like obviously you don't want to be in there with him and uh and he pulls straight to the Delahiva, and that is the true issue. The the real problem of, of Jonathan is when he straps himself to your leg. It feels like, you know, nothing else that I've felt as far as Delahiva's. Um, no one else that I've felt as far as Delahiva's come. Like his Delahiva's very, 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 very tight on your your right, like 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 right on your foot. He seems like he's like just glued in. And uh, on one side, he'll drop your hips to the mat and barambolo you. On the other side, he'll force you into the waiter sweep and barambolo you. So he tries to jam you uh, uh, right in between. And uh, uh, that's, that's rough. That's not an easy thing to deal with when you're on top. Uh, I have my ideas now and I have my, my game plans and I've, I'm starting to understand like the the problem that is Jonathan more and more. Um, but, you know, it takes time. He's, he's obviously very uh, disciplined himself and he has the proper, the best support system around him. He's got Guilherme, you know, in his ear and AOJ, uh, you know, as the mats underneath him and, you know, Tainan as a beautiful, as a great training partner. And um, so, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, you know, it's a, it's an honor to, to be here with, you know, like duking it out with him, and and he's pushed me a lot. The the AOJ uh, duo of Tainan and Jonathan are definitely on the uh, the forefront of the competition scene right now. It seems like everybody else, unless they're doing super fights, are kind of relaxing, and they're out there displaying very good jujitsu and. Uh, uh, I know I'm I'm one of the top guys, but you know, like you can't help but but set your sights on who you see as being you know the best, and Jonathan's the best, and and it's really pushing me right now. Like every time I go into the gym, I I put a lot of focus in, and it, it's a it's reinvigorating. It's a, a different type of motivation that like I've felt in a very long time. Um, rather than us fighting like once, like uh, when I was going back and forth, when I had my two matches with Tommy, we only fought twice. We fought at Europeans once and then we fought at Worlds. And then, you know, since then it's been over mostly due to COVID, but also just the, 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 the like, circles that we're in we don't fight all the time me and tommy you know he's in europe obviously and uh and i'm here but me and jonathan like we're we're banging heads almost you know every other weekend now so uh so it's interesting it's like you know re-encountering the same problem over and over and over again and 
and it seems like there's like less at stake especially since we've been fighting at opens and stuff and and uh it's just a different look to competition really uh, and a, a big part of of like this difference in mentality for me is i'm not a professional jujitsu competitor solely anymore like i used to just you know that competing was it but now uh my intentions behind competing have multiple uh uh, different aspects to them like a big part of why I want to compete is I want uh, uh, I want to show my students that like winning or losing doesn't matter it's, it's more about you know practicing good jiu-jitsu and, and, and upping your jiu-jitsu practice always and facing competition is always good and uh, and my students have actually taught me that um, I thought you know it would be good if I won. I thought they would be upset if I lost. But um, now I'm starting to realize, like, it's obviously rad if I win. If I win, we're all excited. And if I lose, um, they're, uh, uh, they're, they understand it's very, like, uh, respectable to, to put yourself on the line like that. And... Uh, and they just appreciate good jujitsu practice, like I was saying. So, so they're still proud, and like just feeling that had definitely changed my attitude towards competing. Um, being a competitor, usually winning or losing is everything, but uh, having different, uh, you know, having a different type of situation like this, where I, I have students in an academy now, and it's not my main focus, is has been really good for me as a competitor so i feel like i've done my best now my best work now that uh i'm in this place with that uh, michael so you, you you made um reference to jonathan and unlike yeah. sports um when you see boxing you see um mma you don't see it as much as we do in jiu-jitsu that you you need your opponent to be that to make you better and that's something yeah highlighted there and um i'd like you to go into more than that just to educate our guys in cyprus like if you do get beaten by someone who's good don't be despondent use that to keep growing yeah the the thing is like it's uh if like uh if you look at yourself as a as a competitor then what matters is the result but lately um maybe the past like a little bit less than a year or so like i've been meditating on it and i think what truly matters to me more is uh viewing myself as a jiu-jitsu practitioner like and jiu-jitsu is just my practice and and uh i want my practice to be very strong and uh if you put all your like i said if you put all your focus into to competing and being a competitor, your jujitsu practice will suffer. Your jujitsu will suffer. You will do things to win rather than doing things out of good jujitsu. And uh, and um, having someone that pushes you, um, having someone that beats you versus having someone that pushes you is you know, it's just it's it's all in your head. Uh, someone can beat you and, and you can be down about it or someone can show you that you have flaws 
And now you know, oh, I have flaws. These are them. I need to fix them. And now I'm a better jujitsu practitioner. And I think, you know, Jonathan, Tommy, uh, Espen, all the guys that have beaten me at this point for pushing me in that way. That's some really valid points there. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, uh, really quick. A good example of that is uh, if you go on Flow, or I think it's on YouTube now, Flow released their documentary called uh, Bad Blood, which is about the rivalry between Jordan Burroughs and uh, Kyle Dake. Uh, uh, Flow Wrestling uh, released that. And Jordan Burroughs just beats Kyle Dake like over and over and over and over again. And a lot of times it seems to be unfair due to the way the tournaments are, are laid out and stuff. But uh, uh, you could tell Kyle Dake's uh, uh, perspective on it is I just have to keep getting better. I just have to keep doing this. This, this man is pushing me. And then last weekend at the Olympic trials, he finally gets, gets the win. And uh, right after the match, um, he went up to him and, and talked to him. And when Flow Wrestling asked what he said, Kyle Dake told him, like, thank you. Thank you for pushing me. And that was like, a, you know, one of the, uh, that's just a great example of what we're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that match. That was a crazy match, man. Insane. Insane. Yeah, man. The way those guys lose, I mean, so bringing that, have, did you train much wrestling yourself? Uh, actually, since moving out here, I've put a lot more focus into wrestling than uh, before. Um, I did wrestling training at Autos, um, but uh, I really felt things start to click when I was relaxing and learning wrestling here uh, with uh, some of my students that are collegiate wrestlers. So, uh, so yeah, now I'm starting to, to practice wrestling. I know that's like probably the biggest hole in my game is being comfortable on my feet. But uh, I feel like the the skills and the experience are starting to catch up. Now it's just becoming more comfortable in a tournament situation on my feet. So you mentioned um, a few of your students being. Um, collegiate wrestlers yeah how is the academy going i mean have you got your own a few guys are thinking wow this guy he reminds me of myself he works day and night and he's ready to go get it oh we we have a lot of really good jiu-jitsu practitioners in the room now um a lot of people that love to compete too when i first opened uh i attracted a lot of people that already had experience and were uh you know, jujitsu nerds or whatever you want to call it uh, already. And uh, and now, like, for instance, at the Dallas Open, we had 10 people come with us. Uh, for the, the Orlando Open, we had, like, six. For Pans, I think we had, like, six or seven. Um, we have two, uh, uh, two of my students are, uh, like, scholarship into being like uh uh you know competitors and practitioners for the gym so i support them in going and competing and uh and at night when we train we definitely get it in we we put a lot of good work in focus at the at the academy every day um we do gi no gi we drill 
we spar, we do it all. It's uh, it's been really good. Uh, I, it surprised me for sure. I was expecting when I was moving out here to take a year or two off of tra- of competing uh, to handle the gym and build it up. But instantly we had, like on the grand opening, we already had, you know, 50 members roughly. And most of them were already uh, like at least blue belt. So like it was right into good training and good vibes and moving forward on competing. Yeah. Amazing, man. Could you, could you go a little bit more into how you would structure your lesson for say a hobbyist and then competitor, for example? Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing that a lot of jujitsu academies, uh, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but, uh, but I think the big misconception is that like, if you train hard, it will scare people away, especially people that aren't competitors. But, um, I think people really like jujitsu, you know, across the board. And I think people really like pushing themselves. And I think those two things uh, go hand in hand. You know, people want to push themselves and people want to do jujitsu. So uh, the way our, our training works, um, the way our classes are uh, structured, um, like our, our evening classes, we have a fundamentals class for an hour where for 45 minutes they do uh, uh, technique or for 40 minutes roughly they do like technique and for 20 minutes they do specific training from the, the positions and then uh, the next hour is like a more uh, advanced or not even advanced but just it's uh, our normal jujitsu class and for that hour it's just straight drilling um, I teach for an hour straight and uh, uh, we we you know end up practicing whatever subject that I have uh, for the class and then after that hour of teaching and drilling, uh, we do our, an hour of sparring. So it's three hours every night, one hour of fundamentals, one hour of technique, one hour of sparring. And people come and go as they please. Um, like they'll stay for fundamentals or they'll stay for technique or they'll do technique and sparring or they'll do fundamentals and technique or they'll come just for sparring or they'll just come for technique, whatever. It's, we block it like that. And uh, work like you can put a lot of good work in with an hour of technique and an hour of sparring. And uh, I just encourage everyone. Um, I always tell them like, look, I'm gonna push you. That's like my job here. My job is to push you to train harder. But no, if you're tired or if you're not feeling it, you can always just sit out. Like that's fine. Like don't feel like it's you know like uh like don't feel pressured um uh to do something unsafe or or something that you truly don't want to do just know that i'm always here to push you and uh and with that type of vibe uh everybody trains hard everybody pushes themselves and if we do you know 10 rounds or whatever of six minutes for the hour of sparring um the 10 people that I go with, my 10 students that I'll go with, uh, they, you know, they think they have to go 100% with me. So I'm going with 
10 of my students giving me their, their all out best. So for me, it's good training. Um, for them, it's good training as well. And uh, it's a lot of training. It's like a lot of work. Uh, uh, and maybe it's not a hundred percent. Like, like I would say the main difference between the, the training between uh, what I've got going on here versus what I was doing at Atos is maybe at Atos I was doing three or four hard sessions a week where I was giving a hundred, you know, 10% to, to fight versus here I'm training every single morning, every single night. And it's more at like 50 to 70% depending on the night. So it's a more gradual, constant uh, uh, workload where I'm, I'm training rather than, uh, uh, you know, exerting a hundred and then recovering and then exerting and then recovering. So yeah, that's pretty much, uh, and then we train in the morning as well. Uh, in the morning we have seven days a week where we train nine, uh, at nine to 11. So training every day. <laughs> um, what I'd like to talk about was you mentioned winning Grand Slam and what came to my mind was the Miami Grand Slam which happened in September I'm yeah. not mistaken and you had a killer bracket and I think you fought back to back Mateus or Matias Luna one of the Luna brothers Johnny Tama, yes. Marcio Andre yes. and Jonathan yep. in the finals that is Correct. a killer bracket I can think of a tougher bracket in for the 77 kilograms division. Maybe, maybe have Levi too. I don't know how could that get any tougher. I mean, what was your mindset when you were fighting that division, and how did you manage to come on top? Um, I think my mindset going into it. Uh, I had two of my students with me. I had. Uh, Rachel, a brown belt of mine, and uh, Fabio, another brown belt. And uh, my mindset going into it was just um, like I remember seeing the brackets and I remember thinking like, oh, like every single tough guy, back to back to back. I could already see like Luna was first and then Marcio Andre had a bye, so I would definitely have to fight Marcio. And then Tama had a couple of guys that I uh, would put my money on that he'd make it. And then on the other side was, you know, Jonathan, and whoever else was there. So I knew it was going to be tough. And uh, uh, I just put, I set my sights on when I showed up that day to take each match, um, uh, to take the tournament match by match and to take each match, like just, you know, position by position and try my best to make the right decisions and try my best uh, throughout it all. I didn't really even set my sights on winning. It was literally just, you know, simplify it down to what I can control, which is just proving to my two good students, you know, that I know some good jujitsu. And the first match with Luna, um, uh, I think I beat him like, nine to two or something the points are different in grand slam so i don't know how that worked out but uh but i was like oh, okay like 
like I was happy. I was like, okay, that's good. Like uh, I showed some good jujitsu there, and then Marsh and Andre was next, and I was like, this is nothing different. It's the same exact thing. I know uh, Marsh is someone who I respect a lot. I think his understanding of jujitsu is very, 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 very high. So I knew I would just have to be on on point with uh, uh, with my own jujitsu, and again, like it, it worked out that way. And then I went into the next match, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this is the same thing, you know? Just take it transition by transition, and make the right decisions, and you know, press and give it my all." And uh, and then it got me through that match. And then in the finals, I just remember thinking, like, uh, once again, same thing. And uh, I I got the point in the beginning for coming up, and I remember when I defended off his Barambolo um, halfway through the match and ended in the stack. I like looked at the clock and it was like a little bit over a minute or something, two minutes. And, and I was in a deep stack and I was like, oh, well, here we go. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, so, yeah, it, it played out something like that. Um, but that was definitely a, you know, that was a highlight. That was a, a killer bracket. And, it was awesome to do it in front of, uh, you know, some students and also fight alongside the HQ guys and, you know, start off the the matches against Jonathan with a, a win was nice. And uh, and those four are, are, you know, they're tough. Luna's, you know, I've been watching him since he's a purple belt. Marcia Andre, I've known him since him and I were juvenile blue belts. Tama, I've been watching him since he was a purple belt, so it was cool. It was one of my favorite memories as far as tournaments go. Okay. Um, I'd like to ask you something else. Coming from you. You're going, Alexi? Bye, man. Um, I'd like to ask you, Michael, coming from the HQ yourself, there are lots of black belt competitors. And I remember in 2018, you closed out times with JT. And yeah. I, I think you closed out the European node as well with Hulk. Yep. I'd like to listen to your opinion on closeouts. Um, hmm. I think... Uh, uh, as far as closeouts go, I think that, uh, like, I think that it is very respectable when people fight, for sure. Like, when I see two teammates fight, I think that is very respectable. Um, uh, when I see two people close out, like, a, or when I see a team close out, um, I think that it, first of all, it motivates me to, if they're in my division, to, to get to the finals and not let that happen. Like, uh, I remember always, uh, like looking at Lange and Lepre closing out and thinking, you know, one day it would be great to spoil that. And I never got the chance to, but uh, like I remember feeling that when I would see it. And uh, 
but yeah, it's it's something like that. Like I'm not mad at it. Two if teammates close out, I understand why they don't fight, you know. And it's not on them, you know, like to fight exactly. Like one person can always say, Oh, I don't wanna fight this. Like even if they're not teammates, if I you know, made it to the finals against Marsha Andre, I could say, Oh, I don't wanna do this. And that's the same like the it, it's the same if they're teammates. So I don't really care if, if people close out. Of course, it, it robs us of like a good match a lot of the time. But I think I'm just used to it at this point. But on the other hand, I do find it very respectable when teammates do choose to to actually compete against each other. Yeah. What comes to my mind was Gustavo Batista versus Dominic Bell. Pans. Yeah, for sure. That was a good one. That was a sick fight, and I think sometimes it's really interesting to see how teammates do against each other because they train every day, they know each other's game, the games most probably cancel each other's out. So I think it's quite interesting yeah. thing to see. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, I just said that when teammates face off in the competition. Yeah. Usually the case is the games cancel each other out because they've trained so many times. They know what to expect. They know what Definitely. tricks they might have to bring in the sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, the, like... Yeah, it's tough. Like, if you, if I were to go to compete against someone that I trained with, um that could go either way that could either open up uh uh that could either just shut us both down because we both kind of lock each other out or it could really open up the game if you know we feel more comfortable and we know each other's attacks and we know where we're safe or where we're not like it could really you know show some good matches i think uh what's more pressing than having closeouts is uh or not having closeouts is IBJJF considering having third place matches. I think third place matches would be rad. Like, you know, in the division there's there's so many good matches to be had between the two semifinalists. Like, if you look at Worlds, if you look at Pans, you know, like, why not have the third place match? I would rather earn third place than share it for sure. Yeah, it would be nice. Would be so. I mean, I can imagine podiums that both third places were killers, and it'd be great to see them. Yeah, for sure. Test it out. Yeah, like if you were to go through the the world's uh, world's results and look at all of the sharing third place uh, competitors that, you know, potentially could have been matches. We probably could have seen some really good matches. Michael, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experiences with us. It was a great honor. Thank you for having me. I'm looking really forward to when I come to the States one day visiting your academy or having you in Cyprus. 
please do. If you come out, that would be great. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you so much, Michael. And have a good one, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Was... Do you want to thank any sponsors before closing it? Uh, you know, Showyroll's had my back forever. And if you want to find me, you know where to find me. Denver, Colorado, Logos Jiu-Jitsu. Cheers, man. Cheers. Bye.